0: Hey guys, as you can see, there are a lot of people traveling and out today. Um, A good bunch of us, 20-something, between 20 and 30 of us are at Jesus Jam, as most of you know, with the teenagers and all the youth workers and a few of the cool adults got to go. Um, But I want you to know that we've had a great weekend so far. By the time y'all are watching this video, we will have just finished our morning service. Um, So thank you for prayers, and I know that God's doing a big thing, and He's moving in a powerful way. At Jesus Cham, we've been talking about the I factor, and that is intimacy plus integrity equals influence. So I just think that's so cool, knowing that theme and knowing what we've been talking about this weekend, because everybody wants influence. Everybody you ask would say, yeah, I want influence, but maybe we don't want to walk in intimacy, with God and other people, or maybe we don't walk in integrity. Um, either way, if we want influence, we've got to to have intimacy and integrity. As I was thinking about that and just just all that God's going to do in and through the the teenagers this weekend and through the adults that go, um, God reminded me of a word that I think of often, and it's a word that me and Jesse received about the boys right after we found out that Sky. Was a boy. Um, We were thinking he was going to be a girl. And when we found that out, we got kind of like a prophecy, which prophecy is just restating that which God has already said. And the word was even as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego turned the heart of the king and influenced a nation, so will your three boys. And I was thinking about influence and, and the influence that the boys will have. And I want to tell you today that it's not just my three boys, but it can be a generation. So push your kids to, to get involved and connect. And, and the kids that are going on this trip, I believe that, that God's doing something big. So continue to pray. Thank you for, for supporting that and supporting home while we're gone. Um, I know that worship was awesome this morning. So uh, you guys give the worship team a hand. Hey, I hope it was great. Um, I hope you guys really missed me and Bo and all the rest of us that are out, but I know it was good without us. So what I want to talk to you about today is good fear, good fear. If you're turning with me, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy 1. That's where we're going to be turning first. But just me saying good fear has probably got a lot of you thinking, what? Good fear. Because when we say fear, it always seems negative. Fear always seems wrong, like it's the wrong thing. I shouldn't be scared. I shouldn't be afraid. I shouldn't have fear. But there is good fear. And I want to look at that today, and and I want to talk about that today. But first, I want to talk about something that we talk about Pretty much every week we seem like it seems like a, we talk about it all the time because it's a key to living the kingdom life and doing what we're called to do. It's relationship. So I want to ask you a question. Is your relationship with God good? Is it strong? What if my wife Jesse, what if I didn't see her ever once a week? I went to the house, picked her up, took her to Wendy's, and bought her a four-for-four four. once a week. And for those two hours, I was all hers. And I bought her a four-for-four. Four. Now, I'd get a little uncomfortable if she started asking me for more, and you know, let's get a a blizzard, or I almost said a McFlurry, let's get a blizzard, or let's get more. No, I'd get a little uncomfortable with that. but every week unless i'm busy or you know i'm on vacation or something more important comes up or i got a tournament or something like that but almost every single week i go get jesse is that a good marriage no is that a good relationship i don't think so it's not a very good relationship but lots of christians have a four for four once a week relationship with god Right, we go all week long and we don't give him a place. We don't pray to him. We don't talk to him. We don't give him our time, our talents, our treasures. We, it's like we don't care anything about it. If somebody asked you, you'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm in relationship with God. But it's a once a week. It's a, it's a four for four relationship. And then they want to know why my relationship with God is not strong. Well, why is there no fruit in my life? Why every time a storm comes, do I start to doubt God? Jay Leno said, I would do anything to have the perfect body. Anything but diet and exercise. Some things take work. There's no way around it. You have to work. That's the way God set it up. That's the way God designed it. Well, I would do anything for a good marriage. Would you? Well, I would do anything if I could beat this addiction. Oh, really? I would do anything for a powerful relationship with God where He comes through every time I need Him. Would you really do anything? Anything except for the hard work? except for maybe eat crow. I would do anything except get in a program. I would do anything except forgive. I would do anything except go to counseling. What's your except? What is it that you haven't been willing to do? i will do anything except go all in. In life, you're going to face giants. You're going to face some big things. You're going to face some hard things. You're going to face some scary things. There will be fear. And in these moments, fear is going to be there. But so will faith. Remember I told you a few weeks ago, I think they're married. Because every time... I've stepped out in faith. Fear has been there. And you can choose whether fear will paralyze or motivate you. It's going to do one or the other. Fear will come in life, and it can either paralyze you or it can motivate you. But you've got to go all in. There's going to be that moment like when David ran and chopped the head off of Goliath where you're going to have to go all in. There's this book, and I'm going to read you a quote out of it. The name of the book is Going All In. When did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? And that faithfulness is holding the fort? And that playing it safe is safe. And that there's any greater privilege than sacrifice. that radical is anything but normal. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical. It's normal. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. It's time to go all in and all out for the all in all. How do you save nothing for the next life? How do we give everything that God's placed on the inside of us to give? How do we we not act out of our fear or not act because of fear? We have to learn to go all in. How do you slay your giants? I told you last week that you've got to be courageous and generous. If you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to it. You've got to be courageous and generous. Did you know if you're fearless, you can't be courageous? And if you're fearless, you can't be generous? Think about it. You have to learn how to sacrifice what you have for what you want. You can't let fear stop you. Because it will. It will paralyze you. And it will keep you there. Look what Paul said to young Timothy in in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read you verse 6 and 7. Timothy's pastoring the largest church that that we know of, and he's young, and he's nervous, and he's got fear. And Look what Paul, his spiritual father, says to him. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift, the gift or the purpose, that you stir it up, of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands verse 7 for God hath not given us the spirit of fear or timidity but of power and of love and of a sound mind that word sound mind it means right thinking of a sound mind or right thinking right thinking about what? about who you are he's talking about the gift that God placed inside of you the purpose that God has for your life the purpose that he has for you. In another place, Paul calls it the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God will call you to do big things, but you've got to go for it. you got to get up. David ran toward Goliath. Was he afraid? I'm sure he was afraid. You see, what matters is not that you get scared or that you're afraid. What really matters is what you do after you get scared. That moment in between fear and action, that's the moment that matters. That's the moment that makes it a good fear, if it motivated you to do the right thing, or a paralyzing or crippling fear. David ran at Goliath. No time to talk himself out of it. So what are you afraid of? Think about it. In your life, what are the things that you're afraid of? What is it that paralyzes you? What is it that, that stops you? Is it what people think? Is it a person? Is it made up? Why are you afraid? Would you be afraid of a lion? If it came in the room right now and the lion's just walking back and forth right down here on the floor, would you be afraid of that lion? Most of you that are of a sound mind or right thinking, yes, you would be afraid of a lion. Now, if you had a high-powered loaded rifle and you were trained in using that rifle, would you be afraid? No. Why? You could shoot that lion and kill him. No problem. You wouldn't be afraid. Okay? Let me ask you this. If you were shopping at the Bremen Walmart and you went out and got in your car and there were two big, strong muscle men sitting in your back seat with ski masks on and you didn't notice them until you got into your car and buckled up your seat belt and one of them says, Drive! Would you be afraid? Yes. Pretty much everybody in the room, you are probably saying that, yes, you would be afraid. What if your husband was Superman. And you looked over at him and he smiled and winked and said, It's going to be okay. Anybody afraid? No. Now you're no longer afraid. Well, what's the difference? The circumstance didn't change, the enemy didn't change. It's still the same. The lion's still the same. The, The robbers, the people that mean you harm, it's all the same. But we take away the fear by simply adding something more powerful than what it is that you were afraid of. That's how you take away the fear. It doesn't take away the enemy. It doesn't take away the giant. It doesn't take away storms or hard times or bad things in your life. You add something bigger than the pain. You add something bigger than the giant. In Psalms 56:3. Uh, David wrote that psalm and it says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David saying, when I'm afraid, I get scared. But when I'm afraid, I trust God. I have faith in God. Trust in God. Now David wrote Psalms 56 while he was a prisoner of the Philistines in Gath. Goliath's hometown David became their prisoner and he wrote Psalm 56 when what time I'm afraid I will trust in God he wrote that while he was their prisoner and he thought he was going to die he thought that they were going to kill him and that's recorded in first Samuel 21 that's the story that we started reading last week and I'm going to take you there and we're going to read read a little bit in that story but David was running from Saul just to kind of catch you up on what we talked about last week he was scared he killed the giant But then Saul got jealous and Saul was going to kill him. So he was running from Saul. Remember, he showed up at the temple to pick up the stones, what he needed for the journey. And and he ended up eating the communion bread and he got Goliath's sword because he left so fast. He didn't have time to get his own sword. So I find it very interesting that the priest gave him Goliath's sword. And where he ran to hide from Saul was Goliath's hometown, Gath. Like they're not going to recognize David, the giant slayer, carrying the giant sword. Let's read what happened. This is actually kind of funny to me. I'm going to read it to you in the NIV because it just reads smoother. 1 Samuel 21. um, Let's start in verse 8. David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's business was urgent. And the priest replied, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. See, David had courage and he killed Goliath. Now, he could have just killed Saul. But David had wisdom. See, He ran from Saul. He said, I won't touch God's anointed. It wasn't time to kill again. Just because God calls you to rise up one time doesn't mean that's just what you do from now on. You have to keep listening. So he ran from Saul. Verse 10 says, That day David fled from Saul, and he went to Achish, king of Gath. That's Goliath's hometown. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sang about in their dances? They knew who David was. He was famous. David was on the cover of People magazine seven times at this point. You get the point. Like They were writing songs about him. He was famous. Everybody knew about him. They They were singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And this king of the Philistines, his servants were saying, hey, isn't that their warrior that killed our champion? Isn't that David that's killed hundreds, thousands of our men single handedly? David took these words to heart, and he was very much afraid. David heard him talking, and he was like, oh, shoot. They're going to kill me. They know who I am. I've been discovered. They found me out. He was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. So David hears them talking about him. He says, oh, shoot, they've figured me out. They grab him as their prisoner because they're planning on punishing him and killing him probably. And David starts acting like a madman. He starts drawing on the gate, drawing on the doors, drooling down his beard. Uh, One translation says that he was banging his head against the city gate. Talking crazy, just acting insane. Because he was very much afraid. Look what Hish King said. He said to his servants, look at the man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Like, why is he our prisoner? Why did y'all even bring him to me? Am I short of am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow? To carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? He's like, I got enough crazy people. Why y'all bringing him in here? Get him out of here. Get him away from me. So they let him go. And if you go on and read the next chapter, you'll see that David goes to a cave. And just a few verses later, not that much time passes. And his whole entire family shows up to the cave with him. And then more people start showing up. And before long, David's leading 400 men out of a cave. The powerful king warrior. How do you go from being gripped with fear and a, a crazy man with drool dripping down your beard and to a Jewish man, it's not like today. Like, yeah, we like our beard. We think it's great. But to a Jewish man... You know, back in their day, the beard, it was your dignity. It it symbolized your masculinity. It was a sign that he was a free man. So when, when they were slaves to the Egyptians, they had to shave and have clean faces. So when they got free from Egypt, when Moses came and set them free, they could grow beards because they were free. Every Jewish man you see would have a beard. And I found it interesting that a Jewish man would anoint his beard with oil and perfume every single day. Hey, that's where we get the beard oil from. The scented beard oil, that actually started back in Bible days. And to them, they were anointing their beard with oil. They were anointing their manhood, their masculinity. They were were anointing it with oil. And I think that's a really cool and beautiful picture. But the beard wasn't just a beard. So for David to let drool run down his beard, it was unthinkable, especially for a warrior, especially for a king. You would not do that. So how only a few verses later is he a great leader? Because a great leader, a great warrior is who he was it was who God called him to be he wasn't shame he wasn't fear he wasn't mentally ill see those are things that he was doing a leader is who he was after he got away from the king when his little plan birthed in fear notice that It told us that he was very much afraid and then he started acting crazy and then he got away with his life so that God's plan could be worked in his life. So after he got away from the king, after they released him, he wrote Psalm 34. So I'm going to read you Psalm 34 um, and we're going to wrap it up. Psalm 34, I want to read it to you in the King James Bible and the Message Bible. It words it a little bit different, but we're going to get something really good out of this. So, what do I do when I'm afraid? What do I do when I'm scared? David, the warrior, this is what he wrote as soon as he got away. I will bless the Lord at all times. All times. Good times, bad times, up times, down times, rich, poor. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. I will bless the Lord at all times, no matter what's going on. David was reminding himself, in a bad time, things aren't good. I'm running from my people. I'm scared. I'm captured by our enemies. I think I'm going to die. I've been acting like an insane man. I got drool crusted in my beard. But guess what I'm going to do? Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He never stopped praising God. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all of my fears if you make God big he said magnify the Lord if you make God big your fears will not overtake you why because you've introduced something greater than the fear into the story verse 5 says they looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed what do you think he's talking about his face with drool dripping down his beard that it was shame their faces are not ashamed oh fear the lord oh no skip verse 8 oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man that trusteth in him i, I like how he said oh magnify the lord how like a magnifying glass. You know, you can't make God any bigger than He already is. God is everywhere. hes You're not going to make Him any bigger. But you can praise and worship to where you can see more of God. Oh, fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. This fear is a reverence, an awe, like, wow, you're awesome. I trust you I'm not afraid of that giant I fear the Lord because you're bigger than him the young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing message Bible words it like this I bless God every chance I get my lungs expand with his praise I live and breathe God if things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Wait, so you can be happy even if things aren't going well. Join me in spreading the news together. Let's get the word out. God met me more than halfway. And that's good news. He freed me from my anxious fears. Look at him. Why? Because when I look at him, my champion, the giant seems small. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. Never hide your feelings from God. So when I'm afraid, when I'm angry, when I'm upset, Whatever feeling or emotion I'm having, David said, never hide your feelings from God. You know, feelings are powerful, but they're there for a reason. So use them as a tool. Don't allow your feelings to become your master or you'll be dangerous. You'll be reckless. God gave you feelings for a reason, but use them. That's what I'm talking about, fear. Use fear as a tool to motivate you. Don't allow it to paralyze you. Chase God and your feelings will follow. But don't let your feelings become the boss and dictate what you do. Is fear a good thing? I guess it depends on how you use it. Now, If I have a fear that says... You know, don't slide this sharp blade across my finger. There's a reason. It keeps me from cutting my finger open. If you, you have a fear of walking down a dark alley with a shady character standing at the end, that's a good fear. It keeps you safe. God gave you fear for a reason. The problem is when you let fear start dictating what you do, start controlling you. Think about food food's not bad food's actually a very necessary thing but if I make food my God and food becomes an idol to me and I become a glutton and, and I get up to weigh six, seven hundred pounds and I end up dying of a heart attack or, or some major problems then food was a sin Because I made food my God, I put it before God. It was the biggest thing. I magnified the food and magnified my body. You know, anger isn't a bad thing, contrary to popular belief. Ephesians 4.26 tells us, Be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. Think about that. Go read that. It's Ephesians 4 what if a little girl walked in here and she walked right down and stood in front of my pulpit say like my niece Azalea come stand down here and then if a full grown man came walking up and started punching her in the face would anybody in here be angry? I hope I hope a lot of people said yes I hope a lot I hope everybody in this room raised your hands okay and I hope that My hope would be that everybody in this room would do something to stop that. That they would let that anger motivate them to stop that guy. Without thought of, can I beat him? I wonder how strong he is. You'd have to beat me too. Because anger can motivate you. It doesn't have to be a sin. It's the same with fear. Let it motivate you to do the right thing. When I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angel sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to Him. Worship God. If you want the best worship opens the doors to all of his goodness young lions on the prowl get hungry but God seekers are full of God I'm going to give you three things that I pulled out of that psalm that we just read of what David did the man after God's own heart The giant slayer, the champion. And I believe if we apply these things to our lives, that fear won't control us. You see the story that I just told you, it seems ridiculous, but sometimes we do the same thing with a magnificent sword in our hand and drool running down our beard. A reminder of God's goodness and power in our hand and shame on our face. The things we've done. David said, I will boast in the Lord. Sometimes we boast in the fear. David said, Magnify the Lord in the moment that he was afraid. And a lot of times we magnify the fear. Now we start talking about the fear and why I'm afraid and how long I've been afraid and why I should be afraid. And why we validate the fear. We magnify the fear. We we boast in the fear. But when fear comes up, here's what you need to do. It's what David did. Ready? I'm going to give you three things. These are going to be quick. And we're done. Number one, talk about God. Notice I didn't say talk to God. Talk about God. That's what David did the whole first part of this psalm, Psalm 34. David was changing the internal dialogue. He was changing his own mind. You see, fear will have you doing things that are irrational. Well, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And, and and if I let the kids go there, then they might die. They're, they're not going to die. Fear makes us start thinking some irrational things and, and it will grow. We magnify the fear. No. Start talking about God. See, we'll start running based out of fear When I started pastoring I was afraid I was afraid to stand up and speak I was afraid to have meetings with people I was afraid of people questioning me I was afraid to everything about it I was afraid of meetings I'm still afraid of meetings okay I, I, I was afraid of it And I had to constantly remind myself how big God is and that he was on my side, that he had a purpose. So that's the first one. Talk about God. Number two, he said, I sought the Lord. You must seek him actively, diligently seek him in the word through prayer at church congratulations everybody sitting in here you are making a choice to seek him this morning to listen for his word in your life to take it seek him so it's not good enough to just talk about God but then you gotta seek him David said I sought the Lord and what then my face wasn't covered with shame a drool filled beard some people talk about Him and they don't seek Him. Number three, last one. Try Him. Try Him. you got to talk about Him. And you've got to seek Him. But then you must try Him. David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't have to take my word for it. Taste and see. Try it. Try these things out. Give it a shot. Try Him. So many times I see Christians that maybe they'll talk about God. Then maybe we even get to the point where we seek Him, but we don't put God to the test. We don't trust Him. We don't I step on out in faith. We don't want to put God to the test. See, if I talk to you about this wonderful piece of fruit that has healing powers... So I'm talking to you about the fruit. And then I seek the fruit and I find it. Now I've got it in my hand, but I don't taste it. It'll do me no good. If you talk about God and you seek God, but then you never taste and see. You never try Him. You never put Him to the test. Then it's not going to do you any good. This relationship. God said in Malachi, put me to the test. Speaking of the tithe. Put me to the test and see if I won't open the windows of heaven on your behalf. God said, try me. Number three, try him. Max Lucado wrote um, a book called Facing Your Giants. And in the book, he says this. Your Goliath doesn't carry sword or shield. He brandishes blades of unemployment, abandonment, sexual abuse, or depression. Your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills of Elah. He prances through your office, your bedroom, your classroom. He brings bills you can't pay, grades you can't make, people you can't please, whiskey you can't resist, pornography you can't refuse. A career you can't escape, a past that you can't shake, and a future that you can't face. You know well the roar of Goliath. And then he says, lift your eyes, giant slayer. The God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make one out of you. My prayer for us as a church is that we would learn that we would give and that we would grow together, that we would learn to live with an open hand. And I hope that we will slay big giants and that we fight for humanity. I hope we do things that demand courage and boldness. I hope we as a body learn not to spit out pain because we don't like the taste but that we use every drop and we come out better. So in that space, when you're afraid, talk about God. Seek God and put Him to the test. I can tell you he's faithful. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you did it once, you can do it again. God, we believe that you're the God of miracles. And we don't believe that you would have put a giant in front of us if we couldn't slay him. So, God, strengthen our hearts. Give us courage. Remind us of who you are and how big you really are. We're going to boast about you not our fear we're going to use fear as a tool to motivate us God we love you thank you for grace and mercy thank you that you're the God of new beginnings birth something new in us in each one of us and in us as a body we love you Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.